Welcome to Criminality Podcast, the podcast we started because we know Rebecca loving reality TV is not a crime. Rebecca, so good to see you. How are you? You too, Melissa. Great to see you. It's not a crime, but we were at CrimeCon. We were at CrimeCon. I can't believe we haven't done this since CrimeCon. I know. We had a little interlude between new episodes because of that trip. So it's been a minute, Mm -hmm. but this is the first time back on the mic since the big event. So hi. Hi. And it was great to see you. I've seen you twice this year. I know. And there might even be a third at the end of the year. I know. This is great. Yeah. Is it? I I hope it is for you. It's great Uh, for me. I just Yeah. Oh, I hope it's as good for you (laughs) as it was for me because it was amazing. (laughs) We had such a great time at CrimeCon. We had a table there. Rebecca did a great job. You picked all the table stuff and it was awesome. (laughs) I loved it. Yeah. We had a really fun mugshot little tabletop banner and boy, was that an icebreaker. That was the best possible thing we could have had at our table Yeah, because you would see people, some people would walk by and yeah look at the pictures and keep going and some people would realize that's Jax Taylor in the Mm -hmm. corner and immediately stop and talk to us. Yeah and they have that slow realization of what they're looking at and it's Mm -hmm. just a beautiful moment. Um, So hello to everybody we met at CrimeCon. We got to introduce the podcast to a lot of new listeners I think so that's exciting. So welcome if you're new here. And welcome if you're old here. (laughs) And we're so glad to have you back if you are returning. Yeah. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So Rebecca it's been a few weeks. i Hold on. What were my clues? It was fish, financing, oh, fashion. Fashion. Right? Yeah. We went back and forth between finances, finance, and financing. But, I, you know, I don't know which one I landed one on. One category. Um, it works. I just wanted that third F. I, of course. I'll do anything for the F. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rebecca. We're some real alliteration. It's working. It's working. Or Freaks. isn't. We'll find out later. Okay. Um, so Rebecca, I want to get right into this episode. Can't I wait. will say that this episode is like half biography and what's going on and half really one crime lawsuit. So it's Ooh. it's yeah, it's there's a lot going on with it, and I found it to be fascinating. Cool. Um, yes. So Rebecca, if you wanted your baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back ribs, you go to Chili's, right? Mm-hmm. But what if you wanted those same baby back ribs, but without the bone? Who Mm. would you call? Mm. uh, Are we Shark Week? Shark Tank? (laughs) Should we swim with the sharks? I don't know. Maybe you would call a shark. I really set you up for that, and it was not a very good. (laughs) Sure, you can call a a shark. But really, before 2013, you'd probably call the Ghostbusters, because of course, that's all we have to call on anything. But that wouldn't be helpful. There wouldn't really be anyone to call until Al Baker's episode of Shark Tank that aired on ABC in 2013, featuring his patented process for deboning ribs. Gross. Yes. And while you may have missed this episode of Shark Tank, you have likely heard at least a little bit about the fallout from it more than 10 years later. So the story this week is about ribs, but it's more than that. It's about an entrepreneur, icon, and investor, and what exactly goes on in and outside of the Shark Tank. Ooh. Yay. Oh, good. This week, we are talking about the people's shark, and many people have guessed this, Damon John. Yes. Rebecca, before Shark Tank, did you know Damon John? Did you at least know of Damon John in some? Okay. No, learned about him on the tank. And <laughs> we're going in with the tank, the tank now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I understand he's huge in fashion and FUBU and all of that, but I, I really wasn't familiar with him prior. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So before he was on Shark Tank, as you were saying, he was known for this incredible fashion uh, empire called FUBU, which mm-hmm. stands for us by us. But before FUBU was a thing, Damon was a kid who wanted to make money and was willing to work hard to make that happen. So Damon Garfield John was born February 23rd, 1969. He grew up in Hollis, Queens. Oh my gosh. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh good. That's a wow, that's a cool neighborhood. Run DMC members are from there. Like a lot of amazing artists have and entrepreneurs have come out of Hollis. There's more, but I don't know. I can't remember. Oh yeah. 
we'll cool. get to them because you're exactly oh, right. There are right. some. Yeah. Okay. So while he said he didn't use the term entrepreneur as a kid or really even know it, he did know that he was a hustler and he would hustle to make money in whatever way he really could. So one of his biggest cheerleaders was his mom. Her name is Margot John. Mm -hmm. And Margot was a flight attendant and she found herself often working other jobs herself, but she always really put in the time to tell Damon that he needed to be successful or he, sh he should work to be successful, but like also that's on you. You need to be the one to make it happen. And actually as a mom, she sounds pretty incredible. So he was actually diagnosed with dyslexia as a child. And instead of having him read these books, these big books that would make him frustrated, what she would do is say, Damon, I'm tired. I've got to cook. I've got to do this. Can you just read the newspaper to me so I can know what's going on in the world, but I don't have time to sit down and do it. So he said at this time, he didn't even realize his mom's having him practice his reading because Aww. he feels like he's helping his mom. Isn't that so sweet? That's I love that. She does sound like a great mom. Right? So long before FUBU, Damon wanted to belong to the hip-hop community. And Hollis, Queens, as you were saying, is home to people like Run DMC, salt and Peppa, yes. and eventually 50 Cent. Oh, my I mean, that's gosh. not the most exciting. But yeah, that's like yeah, a no, place, I guess. Rich. Please have riches. Yes. So he decided at 10 years old that maybe his way of being a part of the hip-hop community would be creating fashion for it. Oh, yeah. So while he's 10 years old, his mom pulls out a sewing machine and she teaches him how to sew a straight line. And that's kind of where everything started. His mom, I just, I want to hug her. I just think she's the greatest. Truly. In the yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, I, how are you at sewing? Do you have sewing skills? If you were to guess, what would you yes. guess? I think yeah. you can do anything. So I would say yes. I pay someone to put buttons back on shirts if they fall off. So. Oh, I just the say the shirt doesn't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bring it to my little dry cleaner where there's a seamstress on site. And I say, can you please put this button back on this shirt? And somewhere my grandmother in heaven sighs very heavily. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to do the button thing. I, I can do it, but I don't trust it. It's It it's will fall off again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to fall at the most inopportune time for sure. So anyway, Damon's mom knew how to sew and she taught him how to so starting with just a straight line. So Love this. Me too. So during all this time, though, Damon is working to make money. He's shoveling snow. He's raking leaves. And at some point in his teen years, he even buys crashed cars at auctions, works to put them back together, and then he sells them for a profit. Like, That's have innovative. you heard of another, right? It reminds me of your younger son. It, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like, this kid's going places, and he's got a little Damon John. It's all yeah about identifying opportunity. Like, I wouldn't. That's that's incredible, right? So there's these there's a few interviews I saw with him, and I will say at this point, Damon John is like a motivational speaker. So sometimes it does come off in like more recent uh, interviews. Very like I saw a bunch of the same talking points. Mm -hmm. One of the big ones being he said. Good Friday, 1989, he makes a decision, you know, that he's going to sell hats, make hats and sell them on the corners and just see how he can do with that. So he's now into sewing. He knows he wants to be part of the hip hop community and he wants to create something that people in that community would enjoy. Yeah. So to start, he had just $40 to get supplies with, right? So he buys the supplies he needs for these hats. They're like a knit hat and has a little tie on the top of them. Um, he makes these hats the night before. He wants to go and sell these on the corner um, in Hollis, Queens. And within an hour, he takes that $40 he started with, and he makes $800 in hats oh within an hour. Gosh, incredible. And so the hats really took off right away, but it wasn't really, you know, just easy sailing straight to creating FUBU at this point. Eventually, his mom really sees that Damon has his finger on the pulse of his neighbors and community, and his mom takes it really seriously as well. Wow. As he's developing this company and, and what eventually becomes this brand, she ends up getting a $100,000 loan to help him start his business and allows him to run this business out of her home again. Oh, my gosh. We should all be 
like Damon's mom. I mean, and, and she stuck to her principle about like he had to show the demonstrated interest yeah. and talent, and he did that. And then she's like, okay, and now I'll invest. But she first invested by teaching him how to sew. Like she's done to me. Like she's done everything perfectly. Right, and teach him how to sew, and teach him how to read. You know, like yes, to starting, develop this confidence yes. and not mm-hmm. shame him around like what he's maybe not as good at. Yeah, incredible. It's huge. Yeah. So Damon said through these first years of this business, he was struggling. He said basically he'd have to start the business, start selling it, find that there's some sort of a kink in it, pause the business, and then kind of figure that out. So whether it's manufacturing or marketing, he said the whole thing was a learning process. So he'd get to one step, realize he hasn't figured that out, pause things, figure that out, start over again, which I think is just such like an honest thing to say. You just don't know all of those things. In fact, during the time that FUBU was just starting, Damon also worked at Red Lobster for five years. So he kept that job working, even though his mom gave him a $100,000 loan. Like I just, I don't know. I commend him and her for all of this. Absolutely. But how did this guy who was running this company out of his mom's home of hats and now it included t-shirts get his clothing on some of the most famous rappers, athletes, and for some random reason, I saw a picture of NSYNC wearing FUBU. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That one really confused me. But Damon's plan for marketing was also genius. This guy's very smart. So he'd find someone in hip hop or an athlete that was fashionable that Mm -hmm. somebody that already people looked at as being somebody that was fashionable and he'd give them his hats or his shirts so if he found out a rapper was doing a shirt a shoot in the neighborhood he would go to the shoot give them a shirt you know they can wear it and then he would take it back which actually i thought was kind of funny (laughs) after he'd be like great now i need my shirt that was alone yeah (laughs) (laughs) right and so he would show up with these fubu shirts and it was starting to get places like without all this marketing behind it he was just hustling eventually fubu really explodes and it has investors like ll cool j wow speaking of ll cool j listen to this clip of the now infamous gap ad which sneakily included a fubu hat so in 1997 Mm -hmm. gap was considered you know sort of preppy what you know Mm -hmm. and they hired you Mm -hmm. to redefine a more cutting edge gap. And you came in and shot that commercial wearing your uh, FUBU hat. Yeah. Yeah. I know you like your outfit stylish. Any other line but the gap is childish. Everybody working as your personal stylist. You're falling. Once you hear the gap calling, you can't resist the shopping. Big balling. Not stopping. Yes, y'all in. Jeans popping in every mall in town. The city. G-A-P. Gritty. Ready to go. For us. By us. On the low. G. That's for getting the A for always. P. That's for power and the people that praise. Backwards. P for popular. A for attitude. G. Get it going, daddy. Gap is on the move. How easy is this? Falling to the gap. I think a lot of people got a little pissed off with that, right? Well, you know... Is the word... Maybe they were just a little <laughs> agitated. Perturbed? Is, yes, perturbed. <laughs> I would say they were perturbed. You know, it's... Uh, you know what? I'll I, I put it to you like this. I, you know, I was supporting this company. I was... Were you a partner? Yeah, I was a okay. partner in the, okay. in the company. And um, still am. And I wanted to support what we were doing. And, you know... I felt like, honestly, that gap was big enough to, to handle that and not be hurt by it. And it worked out for everybody. Yeah. Because it didn't hurt them. It made them cool. And they didn't pull it. That I can give them credit for. They didn't pull it. and they, well, they figured it out. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> go into like a crazy mm-hmm. tailspin about it once they did find, find it out. So whoever those executives are, because we didn't talk much back then, thank you for not, you know, they helped out a little fledgling company. Yeah. You know, they, they turned around. They, you know, they gave back. They gave back. And we appreciate that. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I, I just, I couldn't love that more. I just love that the Gap, they had no idea. They didn't and, you know, know <laughs> until later. And, but it is amazing that they didn't go crazy and they just went with it. That was a very smart move on their part. And crazy to hear LL Cool J call FUBU a small fledgling company. Yeah, it did, the whole thing is just... It's great. It's wild, right? Unexpected. And it, is, it very much... And I feel like that Damon John was definitely behind that. <gasps> he 
he, that's like what he had already been doing, right? right like right, right. getting his name out there. I love it. And so while FUBU isn't a publicly traded company and doesn't have to release its financial information, according to Forbes, it's grossed more than $6 billion since it was founded, making wow. Damon an absolute boss in the world of entrepreneurs. Wow. Which, Rebecca, makes him a natural fit for Shark Tank when it debuted on ABC way back in 2009. Have you, were you an early adopter of Shark Tank. Yeah, I really liked it when it came out. Um, I'm not a, I wasn't, wasn't must-see TV. Like I wasn't there on the nights it was on, but anytime it was on, I was watching. And even yeah. now it's something I will, if I put live TV on while I'm like folding laundry and it's, I see an episode, I'll totally put it on. I'm a little, I fancy myself an entrepreneur. So it is absolutely yes. interesting to me and I've always really liked it. Totally. And I've definitely bought a few things from people yeah, who same. have been on Shark Tank. Yeah. And so if you aren't familiar with the idea of Shark Tank, this the idea is fairly simple. There's these entrepreneurs like Rebecca who well. come on the show to present their product or their idea to the sharks and they're looking for maybe an investment. And a lot of times they're really wanting help from the sharks mm -hmm. to promote it or manufacturing. There's something they can't do on their own. And a lot of them have started out in similar positions to Damon John or maybe one of the other sharks. Before Shark Tank was Shark Tank in the U.S., it was Money Tigers in Japan back in 2001. No way. I swear, the U.S., do we have one original idea? I feel like this is like the fourth time I've yes. had to announce this, right? Also love that name too. Isn't it so Money good? Money Tigers. Right. And then that later became Dragon's Den in Canada. Ooh. Yeah. In fact, two of the original sharks, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, and Robert Herjavec were on Dragon's Den in Canada. And that's I had how they no were scouted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So when Mark Burnett decided to adapt it for US television, he brings those two on, as well as Barbara Corcoran. Car mm -hmm. I never Corcoran. know how to say your name. You got it. Okay. Kevin Harrington, who was just on for season one. Uh, and Damon John rounded out the first season. In season two and three, Mark Cuban and sure. Lori Grenier joined the show. Sure. And Kevin Harrington left. Making Mark, Lori, Damon, Mr. Wonderful, Barbara, and Robert really the six main sharks mm -hmm. for the last 13 years. So Rebecca, favorite shark, least <gasps> favorite shark. Who do you have? I was worried you were going to do this. Mm -hmm. I had to. Okay. It's not going to be a satisfying answer, but it de really depends on the product and the episode. Okay. Like I feel, well, that's more like which shark would I choose? And it really depends what I'm pitching. But in okay. terms of consistency, I consistently really like Damon and Robert. Like I feel like okay. those would be my two that I just feel because the others make a good TV. Like Mark makes good TV. Mr. Wonderful makes good TV. But they're kind of all over the place. And even, and I like Barbara because her story is pretty incredible too, because she yeah. started out like waiting tables and she's such a real estate mogul now. But sometimes she says things that are so crazy. Like she'll be like, I don't like how you said that. So I'm out. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> she can be a little unpredictable. So I, I really like Robert and Damon. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. Mr. Wonderful, trash. I, I don't enjoy him. I hate all of his deals that he offers shtick. people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who would you be your least favorite? Would it be him or someone else? Yeah, maybe maybe him. I like Lori too. I think if I had the product where I felt like QVC needed right. to be partnered, I would go for her. But I find her like not the most compelling or interesting. I wouldn't be the most excited to work with her. And I have to say, like Mark Cuban is clearly like full of himself and has a lot of ego. Mm -hmm. But I think he's talented and has done some interesting deals. He has, and I do think he's a hard worker. I just saw a TikTok the other day with him talking about when he bought the Dallas Mavericks mm -hmm. and how he went into, like his big thing was showing how, how hard he works so other people would want to work as hard. And he like had the names of people who had held season passes years before and he just had the list and he would call them and say, hey, listen, we have, you know, I own the team now. This is what's going on. We want to offer you a free pass to come back to you know our games but like he was willing to put in the work obviously yeah. it was an investment and it only helps him but I don't know that everyone would sit there make those the... calls yeah. exactly yeah no like it's like he's not above so. that I also find yeah. he seems to be the most 
in tune with like the future and tech like totally I always feel like his insight on technology and the future of business is like oh I'm learning something so in that sense I think he's good too I agree. I agree with both those things. He has a big like medication thing that he's oh, rolled that's out. Right. Where he's like really revolutionized cheap. that. That's true. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting my son's EpiPens through that. Like I'm working. I don't know if they have it on there, but I'm on like the list amazing. for when they do. Yeah. It's that's pretty so cool. so smart. Very cool. Yeah. So Damon's been on Shark Tank the longest, you know, with a couple of them. He's been on there since the beginning. And during his time on Shark Tank, he's received a number of accolades, including back in 2015, President Obama named him for the Presidential Ambassador for Global Entrepreneurship, or it's called PAGE. Uh, And unlike Kenneth from 30 Rock being Tracy Jordan's (laughs) Jew boy, it's not that kind of PAGE. This PAGE program was to help entrepreneurs around the globe by increasing access to capital, education, and mentorship. Love it. So Damon also began the Shark Group, which is a management and consulting firm, and he's also become a very highly requested public speaker, as I mentioned before. But you can also get a cameo of Damon. And Mm. Rebecca, I got you. No, I didn't get you one. I did not. (laughs) I would kind of love that. (laughs) Sorry. No. Um, But I would like to play one for you that's featured on his page. Corey, you did it. You did it, you did it, you did it. Congratulations on the best and biggest investment you will ever make in your entire life. I'm going to call you my fellow shark and Ashley, my fellow sharkette. Congratulations through these crazy times. You made sure you stuck together and you found ways that you can move forward. And hopefully you'll be there for the rest of your life. And I know you will. Congratulations on what an amazing, amazing time of your life. And I'm glad I can be part of it. Wishing you all the best from one shark to my fellow sharks. So Rebecca, would you like to guess how much this 39 second video with four seconds of silence at the end goes for? I liked the sentiment, first of all. Okay. Um, a Damon John cameo, 40 seconds, mm-hmm. 500 bucks. $799. Okay. Which means for 39 seconds, each word is worth $20 a second. And three of those seconds is just him saying, you did it, you did it, you did it. Okay, okay. I see. I see your feeling on this. I'm just glad I was in the ballpark is what I'm excited about. Oh, okay, okay. Because you're like, okay. I'm like, what? No, 799 Yeah, no, I was just glad I wasn't like worlds away. Um, That's that's pricey. That's a good ROI. I mean, look, he's not a mogul for nothing. That is true, but my gosh, if I paid somebody $800 and you'd want a little There more. were 4 seconds at the end that were just silent. Yeah. Yeah, just or like if you if you're going to do cameo instead of making them so expensive, maybe make them a little cheaper so people can do them but limit how many you do. But still right. like it's just I don't know, it's Also, kind of gross we've to me. both received longer, more personalized cameos for significantly less. So I think that's where the discrepancy is, right? Cameos are basically my love language, so I have a hard time when there's an $800 one. Like, my brain cannot Yeah, well, that's not a normal thing to spend on a friend's gift, so that puts it out of the, yeah, possibilities. Back to Shark Tank, Rebecca. As of today, Damon has invested more than $8 million of his own money into businesses on Shark Tank. And while I'm sure not all of the deals have made him a ton of money... One that did was Bombas. That was a Damon deal. That was a Damon I actually deal, remember which makes sense, that right? episode pretty well. I, I sometimes forget who they end up partnering with, but um, but yeah, that is that was a good choice to go with Damon. And I love yep. we love Bombas. I truly, I'm wearing them now. They really are the only. So- they're not currently sponsoring us. They have before, but I will love- still sing their praises even if they right. never do. Yeah, I feel like I'm not very bougie in general, but. I have become kind of like, I will only wear Bombas at this point. Yeah, so, no, they raised the sock again. game and it's hard to go back. Yeah, totally. As of today, Bombas has made more than $250 million in revenue. And their big thing is you buy a pair of socks, they donate a pair of socks yeah. to homeless shelters, things like it. that, which is awesome. Yeah. So now we've talked about a very successful Damon John investment, but what about the deals that didn't work for Damon? Remember the baby back, baby back ribs that I mentioned in the beginning? I sure do. 
Well, we're going to get into the mess of it all after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Spring is bursting with fresh energy. The air, our aspirations, and even our homes get a refreshing makeover. And what better time to revamp your home security with Simply Safe? It's our top choice and for good reason. Praised as the best home security system for 2024 by US News and World Report and recognized by Newsweek for its exceptional customer service, Simply Safe has you covered. From break-ins to fires and floods, its comprehensive sensors keep your entire home safeguarded. I also love that with the cameras I have in my house, I can be gone, not be able to get a hold of a kid, and simply go onto one of the cameras and look around the room and see my kid is there and safe, but just ignoring me, as you know, kids will do sometimes. And with a range of indoor and outdoor cameras, you can keep a vigilant eye on your property around the clock. For less than a dollar a day, you can enjoy 24-7 professional monitoring, ensuring prompt emergency responses for whenever you need it. Plus, Simply Safe's monitoring agents can intervene in real time, deterring intruders with the power of voice through wireless indoor cameras. But the best part is there's no long-term commitment, and you have a generous 60-day money-back guarantee. So why not give Simply Safe a try? If it doesn't exceed your expectations, Expectations, simply return it for a full refund. Simply Safe has given us and our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminality. That's simplysafe.com/criminality. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Okay, so before the break, we were discussing Damon John's incredible entrepreneurship and how he started Fubu and one of his biggest successes on Shark Tank being Bomba Socks. But now I want to switch gears and let's get into the lawsuits of it all, Rebecca. Oh boy. And while you may have heard of Damon and Al Bubba Baker's falling out, there is a ton to this story and I'm going to break it down, but in the best way I can because it really is a lot. So let's start with who Al Baker is and what led him to Shark Tank back in 2013. So Al Baker is a retired NFL player who came onto Shark Tank by saying the NFL was my job, but barbecue is my passion. Mm-hmm. After retirement, Al opened a sports-themed barbecue restaurant in Avon, Ohio, which is where he lived at the time. So while the restaurant does okay, it really is his patented boneless baby back ribs that are the star. And by saying the patent is actually on the deboning process and the cooking of the ribs. So that is fascinating that you can. It really is. That. <laughs> it's wild. And so, by the way, every time I see the name Al on my, like my notes here, I keep thinking it says AI. I <laughs> so. <laughs> so the whole time I'm like, wow, this is really fascinating. But Al, not AI, said on Shark Tank at the time that he had this idea for the boneless baby back ribs after trying to get his wife to eat the ribs. And she was like, ribs are great and all, but they're too messy. I don't like to eat them. Mm -hmm. And so Al said, well, that's because of the bone. That's the issue. And so he worked to find a way to debone them without actually separating them. And he goes on, like I said, to patent this technique. So... He takes it a step further and made it to where not only is there no bone, but you could also quickly microwave the ribs that he made in under two minutes. They were delicious. The sharks all loved them. Like his daughter literally comes on, puts them in the microwave for two minutes. They all eat them and they love them. So he has this patent, but he also has a product. So he hints at on Shark Tank without actually saying it, that these aren't like the McRibs from McDonald's. These are actual ribs minus the bones. Yeah. Yeah. Al's daughter, Brittany Bowbaker, knew he really had something special on his hands, but they had no idea how to really make money off of this invention, basically. Mm -hmm. So at the time, she said she was a huge fan of Shark Tank, and she suggested that her dad apply to be on it. So before coming on, if you would have asked Al who he wanted to partner with, he said he would have picked Mark Cuban, who ultimately passed on this idea, or Lori Grenier, who wasn't actually on the episode they shot for. So remember they would switch out mm-hmm. Lori and Barbara were typically who they would yes. switch out for, which that always irritated me. Yeah, but it's like, you can't have two women on the panel at once. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> so he later said Damon wasn't his first pick because he knew he hadn't really worked in the food space prior to working with yeah. them. Maybe he did a little, but not a lot. So. Al's food company that he started with this company was called Queen Anne Inc. So if I refer to it as that later, 
you'll know that this is the umbrella company of the restaurant as well as this patented deboning system. Okay. On his Shark Tank episode, Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Terrible, offers Mm $300,000 for 49% stake in his company. But he says this deal is contingent on finding some sort of licensing deal with a large meat processor. Okay. According to Kevin, the food's fine, but the money is in this patent. And if you're like, how is this thing even patented? Same girl. I have no idea how you managed to get a patent for this. But here's a clip from Shark Tank that gives you a taste of the pitch, and then it segues into some information on the patent. Oh, good. I just want to be really, really clear. I buy this, I throw it in the microwave for two minutes. And it tastes like this? You got it. Mmm. I am highly suspect of, of his claims for that patent. I, I'm not a patent attorney. Um, I don't think he's got a trademark. We can talk he about looked- that later, though. But tell me about the patent. I did. I pulled it up. I was very suspect. I was blown away with how solid the patent is. Okay? Really? Yes. It is actually better than I thought. A process for preparing a length of deboned rib meat comprising cooking a length of rib meat having one rib bone at least partially embedded therein at a temperature and for a time sufficient to enable the removal of at least one said rib bone while maintaining a substantially intact length of rib meat and removing at least one of those ribs. That's it. He really does have a patent on a process for cooking ribs and removing the rib. Incredible. I love a detail-oriented person using their gifts for YouTube, right? for us. That was remarkable and very helpful because I was like, right. how do you get a patent for a process like that? Same. And okay, so this was what you can't see um, on the screen because this is audio, is that it was a trademark attorney and a patent attorney. So people that really know what mm-hmm. they're doing, breaking it down, it made more sense to me just by seeing that or totally. you know hearing that information. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, Damon ends up offering him $300,000 for 30% stake in the company, same as Kevin as far as $300,000, and same as Kevin as far as it being contingent on finding a licensing deal. The only difference is the percentage he's asking for is less, 30% versus 49%. Oh. One thing I learned in researching this, and I guess I should have realized, is that the deal we see isn't always the deal that it ends up being. Really? Do they like kind of hash out more details after they end filming? That makes sense. Right. So after they make what amounts to this handshake deal, the contestants meet with either the shark or maybe someone on their team. Okay. Right? They run their numbers. They've done more research to see, number one, if the numbers presented were accurate, or number two, if there are more details that need to be ironed out. Yeah. So how many times have we seen where they're like, my valuation for my company is $30 million. Right. How much have you had in sales? $10,000. Right. You know, they can right. say what they want to sure. when they're up there. Let's take Al and his family for an example. According to an article in the LA Times, which will be in the show notes, and there was a lot of information in this, after securing this handshake deal of $30,000 for 30% equity from Damon, this golf cart comes, picks up Al and his daughter, brings him to a trailer on site to meet with this woman on Damon's team. (laughs) Yeah. It has to be so overwhelming. So you're already like riding high from making this deal. But now you're ushered into this room. According to Al, she gives him this contract to sign saying it's basically an exclusivity contract that lasts for 18 months. And he says, you know, in that moment, I don't think I can have an attorney look at it. I realize if I walk away from this, my wife and daughter are going to be angry if it's all over this 18-month contract. Okay. So he signs it. From there, Damon calls him a few weeks later and says, hey, we need to revise the terms of the deal. They've done their research. And instead of $300,000 for 30%, the new deal is $100,000 for 35%. Uh Uh-oh. Mr. Wonderful's deal is not actually sounding so bad now. Right. And so this goes back to what I was saying before. While we're sure that, you know, producers vet these contestants to some degree before they come on, For Damon's part, this was a vetting situation as well as, quote, securing a licensing partner, which did not come to fruition. So Damon's basically saying, I don't know if we'll be able to get this. Okay. So things basically after this new contract is hashed out, 
goes off the rails because oh. Al says to Damon, hey, I got the licensing partner, which was the deal was contingent on, uh, and and they're called Rastelli Foods. Have you heard of that before? They're like a no. distribution thing. They're pretty big. Okay. That's all I know. Great. Remember that name. We're coming back to it. Okay. But let's go back to those early days. Al and his family are super pumped, and they believe that they're on their way to making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. According to Al, the producers told him that they couldn't even tell him if the episode would ever air. So some people come on there and it never even is on the show for various reasons. Um, But of course, there is what's known as the Shark Tank bump. And you hear time and time again how a show airs. Someone's website ends up crashing because they're out of stock. Even if they don't get a deal, they could have like skyrocketed Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I bought like right away was the zip up, the swim zip. I lo- I still oh, love that thing. Cool. They just had a zipper on it. And when my son was young, anything's easier than taking a swim suit. Oh, like the wet over the, their um, heads. Rash guard shirt kind of things. Yes. Yeah. And you've seen my son. We, yeah. there's a lot. You need to wear a that. problem yes. for us. <laughs> <laughs> so back to Al. According to him, Damon told them they should build this e-commerce site to capitalize on the Shark Tank bump. Okay, Al's like, that's fine. You know, we basically have only not even made a dollar on internet sales. So maybe this will be really a good thing for us. We have the patent thing going, but also we could sell. He has barbecue sauce. He has these microwave ribs, Mm -hmm. whatever. So here's where things go even more off the rails. And And I get to introduce one of the weirdest characters in this whole thing. Back in 2012, there's a man by the name of Nate Holzapfel. I'm only going to say that last name once because... (laughs) I didn't do it right, and I can't do it again. This guy's on Shark Tank, right, in 2012, so a year before Al is on there. Okay. He pitches this company called Mission Belts Co. That's about it. It's basically a belt with no holes. I don't know if you remember this one. I don't think it's that exciting, but he calls it Mission because for every belt they sell, they donate a dollar to help end world hunger. How? I don't know, but that's what their mission is. And also Bombas is giving a free pair of socks and this guy's giving a dollar off of $50 belts. I don't think that gives you the right to call it mission. Really? (laughs) Mission? It's like afterthought is what it should have been called. Oh my gosh. You're mad. I am. This guy's the worst. So Damon hears about this thing, likes the belt. He invests $50,000 for 37.5% stake. The night his episode airs, he sells almost $200,000 in belts. So it's a big deal to – the Shark Tank bump is real. From there, somehow or another, Nate becomes sort of a mentee of Damon's. So when Al begins working with Damon, Damon's like – I want you to build a new website. I want you to have a new website, sell your barbecue sauce online through this new website. And he wants Nate to develop this site for him. Hmm. And of course, Al's like, great, this guy's been through Shark Tank. He's worked with Damon. This could be a good match. And at this point, Al's excited because the barbecue sauce had only been sold at their restaurant. So he felt like, okay, this is another way to make some profit. Yeah. Unfortunately, as the family prepares for their episode to go live... The website wasn't up. It was up three hours before the episode aired. So imagine the stress oh. knowing like <laughs> how much profitability there could be. But if you don't have a website, you have nothing. It's like, and you never get that opportunity back, like that window. Exactly. So while they did sell $250,000 of online orders in a few days after the episode aired, wow. they ended up having to refund customers around 14% of that amount because... Nady Boy had never off, uh, never bothered to add sales tax on certain products. So, oh boy, that's that's an oversight for a retail e-commerce site. And it's like for Damon to be like, "Hey, here's this the guy, guy. we're going to use." Yeah, that's bad. Right, bad pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it gets weird is for some reason, according to the bakers, Nate's actually put in charge of the baker's business account. And while they know their business was at least going okay, they would ask for these financial statements from Nate, and he just wasn't giving it to them. Wait, this was after the website error? They, he continued the on website. as their financial person? Okay. That's yeah. terrible. And so Al says to Damon, hey, this isn't really working out with him, but according to Al, he basically brushed him off. 
things continue with Nate. And now there's this woman named Amy Black. Amy Black works in customer service for Nate. So she's like under him. He's her boss for both Bubba's uh, Boneless Ribs, so Al's company, as well as another Damon John invested company called Garage Door Lock. You might remember that one. It was like a lock on a garage door. Okay. Yeah. So Amy only works for Nate for five months, but she says that Nate kept Al and his family out of the loop with things. So basically corroborating what they're saying, that yeah. they weren't given any information. And she also said Nate had some shady business dealings. This is all alleged. But she said that he would pay her for work she was doing with the bakers out of the money from the garage door company. And vice versa. No. So she'd be working for Al, but the garage door company is who is paying her. I don't think you can do that. Right. No, no. I think that's actually quite illegal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Amy eventually resigns. She's only there five months. She sends an email to Al's daughter as well as the owner of that garage door company to say basically, having Nate working with you is not a good idea. You need to get okay. out of this. So according to garage door man, I forgot to get his name he told damon to stay away from nate he was basically like something's off with this guy you should probably cut ties according to the la times article damon says he doesn't remember this conversation Uh oh so the last (laughs) real interaction the bakers have with nate is when Brittany, the daughter um is briefly i don't know how but she's able to see the bank account and see that there's a hundred thousand dollars in it in june of 2014 so that's just Within a year, yeah. Nate closes this account and oh. sends them a check for $8,000. What? Brittany claims that she asked Damon, hey, where's the rest of the money? I knew there was $100,000. And according to Brittany, allegedly, Damon says, quote, Nate deserved it, end quote. What? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Again, I'm just taking this is information yeah. that is out there from yeah. the LA Times. Damon John, I'm not saying you actually did this. Are they like, do we find out is Nate someone from his childhood? Like, is he a buddy? What the heck? You want to learn more about Nate? I'll tell you more about Nate. Oh, good. Turns out Nate was a scumbag. He okay. was doing things like, I don't know, finding women online, developing r- romantic relationships just to swindle money from them. Oh, no. Um, and it got worse. He did a bunch of other things. And in August, just a couple months ago, he was sentenced to a year in prison after being charged with 15 felony and five misdemeanor criminal charges from 2001 to 2022, including forcible sexual abuse, fraud, and theft. He One year. A, he got a year? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. He should get a year for like every year he was actively perpetrating yeah. crimes that's nuts or every what yeah he's just a shyster i will say that mission co mission belt co said at some point we dropped him a long time ago he hasn't been a part of the company so don't hold it against them interesting okay so when damon's asked about nate he says quote he ended up showing a pattern of bad habits and he was a not a fit for how we do business he goes on to say he only became aware of his legal issues quote after we ended our relationship with him, which does make sense because the crimes he was accused of 2001 to 2022 yeah. doesn't mean he wasn't doing stuff before, but mm-hmm. he has plausible deniability <laughs> for mm-hmm. the rest of it. All that to say, things started off rough with the bakers and they really didn't get better. But that doesn't mean the company wasn't doing well. So after there's this partnership with Ristelli Food Groups, the bakers would earn a licensing fee and 45% of net profit. So they felt like now we're working with this company. This is what we really needed. Yeah. Damon actually wasn't happy about this deal because the bakers actually got this on their own. They Directly. didn't include Damon in this. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so Damon, I think this was an email that he sent them, but this is the quote. It says, quote, I am beginning to understand how much you do not understand what working with Shark Tank is doing for you and your business. Yeah, he wrote it in May of 2015. Quote, you are part of the Shark Tank family. You and anybody that you have put on camera is now my personal responsibility. I have to report everything I can to keep Shark Tank producers and ABC up to date, end quote. Because remember, they come back and do all these like follow up updates on yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's. That was his point in all this. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. No, it, it does for sure. Especially he is invested in your company. Yeah. And I'm sure there's somewhere in the contract that says if you bring on an entire manufacturer, yeah. 
got to let me know first. Yeah. So eventually, though, Al brings Damon into this whole deal. And Al has a 45% stake now and full ownership of the patents. Ristelli Foods get 35%. Damon gets 20%. So no one has over 50%. And that's important. Okay. But apparently things do start to take off and the family begins getting five-figure checks. So that's good. They're finally making some money, seeing some money out of this, but that doesn't last for long. What eventually becomes clear to the bakers is they're no longer the biggest owners in this new plan. Remember I told you he had 45% stake? But basically, at some point, Damon and Rastelli basically partner. So they're making all the decisions. They're now 55% owners if you put them together. So anything the bakers want to do, they can't do because now the other guys have more of a share, which sucks so bad for them. Feels really unfair. Yeah. Totally. And they are saying during this, like, we don't have much say at all. We don't know about these meetings that are happening. We don't know anything because Mm. we're not the majority shareholders at this point. Mm -hmm. So the Bakers also claim they aren't seeing any financials. And Damon has denied this as well with his attorney. But eventually in 2019, so a few years ago, the Bakers take Damon and Roselli Foods to arbitration and mediation. Okay. So at this arbitration and mediation... Everyone acknowledges that the company's grossed more than $14.5 million. Wow. Yeah. And so they agree to pay the bakers $100,000 in 12 installments. That what? That does not seem right. No. I know. I know. It, it's it's absolutely wild. So from there, they're all supposed to have financial transparency. Part of the deal is that the bakers cannot discuss specifics to their deals. That's Wait, that important. they cannot discuss What? The specifics of the deal that they've now signed. So this new arbitration and mediation, they can't talk about it. Okay. So the bakers say that's fine with that hundred thousand dollars over twelve months. Now they're they're thinking that it's going to keep they're going to keep getting money, right? Once again, that's not really what happens. Uh, While they did get a few checks, some of them were as low as five hundred dollars, and meanwhile they have a hundred and seventy one thousand dollars in attorney fees. Oh. So at some point, which was basically this year, Damon has enough of them like complaining and this whole thing, this whole big mess. And Brittany, the daughter, starts putting stuff on social media, which Mm -hmm. might be how you've even heard of this. TikToks, all that sort Mm -hmm. of thing, and discussing exactly the terms of the deal. So Damon takes them to court to get a restraining order. And the judge agrees to issue a temporary one after noting that at the time of arbitration, as I mentioned before, no party can talk poorly about each other in the media or share specifics of their deal. So they were, in were they silenced. Or yeah, what was it? Oh, were you silent, silent or, or you silenced? silenced? They but were silenced. Wait, why a restraining <laughs> order and not like a gag order? Like what's the restraining part? Like, I guess, does it cover that? Like, it's just so. Um, it is. A, it does. I thought when I went into this that like they were threatening his life or something, and that's where the restraining order yeah. came in. It just seems like an odd, but but it must cover all kinds of things, including that. Because to I'm me, thinking. a gag order seems more like what you would want. And also anything that they had posted uh, on social media disparaging Damon or Roselli Foods, they had to take down. Sure. And then July fourteenth, Al goes on the news in Cleveland, Ohio. And there's this quote that comes from all of that. And it says, uh, I guess this must have been from the Baker's family. Okay. Quote, it's our belief that Rastelli Foods and Damon John have breached the settlement agreement by excluding Al from participation and collaboration regarding the product. These actions, they said, are causing us irreparable harm, particularly as the time on our patent is running out, which Ooh. I didn't even realize. I forgot that that's a thing. Right. It expires. Mm-hmm. So what this is where I get worried for them because yeah, of course. what are they going to do? So then in July, same month, this whole thing becomes a permanent restraining order from Damon John, probably Rostelli Foods, against the bakers. The bakers are denied from ever publicly speaking or on social media about Rostelli Foods or Damon John. So they had this, they can literally never say a thing about this deal that they feel they were so screwed in. I can't that think sucks. of a lot that would suck worse than that, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where their whole thing is. They can't say anything. They 
they're the underdogs for yeah. sure in this story. I do think there's a little more to it. I think there were issues. As as we see, there were issues all along. I think there were issues on both sides. But for Damon's part, he's still a shark. He said at one point, and I think this is important, that high-profile people are sued all the time. We know mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I believe that he's been sued or involved in close to 30 lawsuits. Don't quote me on that number. But he said they all ended in favor of him, which I take to mean basically you can sue someone for really anything, but what matters is the result, and he's never been found in the wrong. Yeah. So Damon's lined up to be on the next season of Shark Tank, and it looks like there is no one, and it looks like there's no sign in him stopping. At this point, I hope that the bakers are able to retain their business and the two sides can amicably just be finished. Mm And that Shark Tank has less moments like what the bakers have gone through and more moments like this. Hi, my name's Shelby Gagolski and I'm 15 years old. And I'm Gordy Gagolski. I'm 10 and I'm her minion. We're from Jacksonville, Florida, and our company is Your Self-Expression. I hate it. I'm out. Oh my gosh, that's awful. (laughs) That is awful. I mean, it's great, but it's awful. It is hilarious. That is kind of what I love about Shark Tank is either when the sharks are way off and like it is such a good idea or when they're like, Mm-mm, I hate it or when they jump out and they want back in. I don't know. I, I enjoy the show. It's it's pretty fun. But Rebecca, what do you think of this whole mess? Well, a couple things just straight out that this is making me remember and realize about my Shark Tank affinity. So it's weird that I like it in the first place because I hate seeing people's dreams dashed. We've talked about that a lot. It really is hard for me when they don't get the deal. Even if I can tell it's like the right thing that they didn't or I don't like the mm-hmm. product, I just still feel so bad for them. But second, this is why it's kind of unfair and probably any criticism the show gets is like, what chance does the underdog entrepreneur have against these tycoons who are so protected Yep. Most things are often going to work out in their favor. So we don't hear these like middle messy examples. We hear like the super success stories and then like the bombs or the fails. But like Mm -hmm. this is an example of one where it's just like you could really easily get taken advantage of. And and I would think in this Al Baker's case, wasn't he retired NFL, did you say? Yep. Like Mm -hmm. he was probably like in a decent position financially. I don't know, but still doesn't hold a candle to like the network. Yeah. The the shark, right? And all the legal protection they have. So it would make me very hesitant to actually pursue this when I think about the nitty gritty and like how Mm -hmm. easily it can go sideways, like you said, off the rails. Um, Yeah. It bums me out. And I, I like to think that Damon is an upstanding guy, but it does make you realize like the television magic of it all is to be like, we're family, like we're in this together. It's a partnership, but truthfully, people are always going to do what's yeah best in their best interest financially Mm -hmm. to recoup the money. That's what it comes down to. So I'm just such a hopeful romantic in these things that I'm like, it it bumps me out. I didn't put this in there, but I will say one of my favorite Damon John deals was uh, with Moe's Bows. I don't know if you remember the kid. What is it? Uh, oh the bow ties like bow ties yes I loved that partnership that was so great yeah but it wasn't actually like a typical partnership he said I'm not gonna buy into it or put any money but I'm gonna be your mentor I remember that now yeah now the kid has a licensing deal with the NBA I think oh my gosh like it's done quite well so I'm sure Damon did something sure profited some way but I thought that was kind of a neat thing like that he was looking out for somebody yeah I like to think that. Yeah, and paying it forward to this young entrepreneur I'm sure he saw himself in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, it's, um, I don't, I still don't know where I land because I don't, I don't know, but the daughter, I didn't want to put any of her stuff in here because you can still find some of it on TikTok. So you can search for that. But since they're not allowed to talk about it, I don't know how these people got the clips. Right. You don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to post it. Of course. You can look at it on TikTok. They're there. And they're very detailed receipts that, that she does have. So wow. I tend to believe um, that they either weren't informed and didn't know enough or were kept in the dark purposefully. I, I don't know. Well, and I don't know what the actual legalities on this are, but this has come up in the podcasting industry lately. But her like accidentally or somehow accessing the account to see the real number and then yeah if she hadn't seen that she wouldn't have known that that payout was completely inaccurate I feel like there should be some transparent like you should be able to access that at least yeah viewing if not like full 
account ownership, but like you should be really in the know on yeah, right? The the mm-hmm. cash flow and the status. So that seems crazy that they weren't in that. Honestly, the uh, we'll link the um LA uh Times article in the notes because it is I mean, there's so much that I left out because there was just so much information of the back and forth and yeah. the things that were missing and all that. So I thought it was pretty interesting. I really think it is interesting. Again, I think it's like this kind of in between story from Shark Tank we don't often hear. So right. I'm into it. I love it. Good. Good. And I like Damon John's whole story growing up and how he started Fubu. I think that's awesome. I like his style on the show too, like the way he interacts with the um, what are they called? Contestants? No, contestants. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, has Shark Tank? Do you have you adopted that into like conversation? Like whenever I'm like going to like run an idea by people, are you ever just uh-huh. like sharks? Have no, you ever wondered what's that. for dinner and which family member <laughs> is responsible for making it? Sharks is like a big like setup for jokes in our house. Like sharks. I love it. I'm about to tell you <laughs> it's like what time I need to be at the train station. Yes. I love it. Oh good. That was fun. Oh, that good. was a really fun, like slight departure from the normal shows we do and certainly shows you yeah. do. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I'm out of TLC. I know. I'm going to be drugged back in, I promise. But um, uh, but I had a brief week. For it. <laughs> Interesting. Speaking of TLC, Rebecca, <sighs> I would love to know what it is that you're watching. It ain't TLC. Dang except it. for Sister Wives. Okay. So my TV clues for you this week, this was the best I could do because we're in like busy season, right? From Sunday to Thursday, I have shows right now. I love that you are not mentioning, like, it's not the rest of your life. It's just television. We're in busy season. I knew what you meant, <laughs> but like. That's how I think about it. To it's a commoner. Yes. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to what's on Bravo during the week. And then I would add TLC because Sister Wives on Sunday night. Sunday nights are huge. The it, Housewives it's of New so York, much. And then Sister mm-hmm. Wives. I mean, talk about two ends of a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't been doing a lot of extracurricular tv show watching i should sure, say sure. Mm-hmm. um but this is a show i've watched that i'm going to pick back up that i put that down and this is okay. the newest thing i've been watching i don't think you'll watch it okay but i do think it's very good my clues are netflix london drugs i have no idea youth Oh my gosh, Rebecca. It's like you're saying the quiet parts out loud at this point. Like you're not even pretending anymore. It's just called youth. No, sorry. That was another clue. (laughs) Adolescence. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. That was a clue. I was trying to give you another one. No, it's not called youth, but close. Actually, it's called Top Boy. What the heck is this? So it's a British show about um, housing estates, which is what England calls like housing projects. It's a show about uh, teenagers in a housing project in London and um, specifically a couple of them vying for the role of being top boy, which would be kind of like the main drug dealer in charge. So apparently okay. this show came out in 2011 and had one season and just got like rebooted just a couple years ago with later seasons, but you can okay. watch the newer ones without having watched the first. A little confusing. I'm going to read the... Um, description just because I feel like that's a little confusing and a lot of people I know are watching it and my son was watching it and said just start with the new ones you don't have to um watch the old ones but it's made me want to go back and watch the old ones top boy this drama takes viewers into the housing estates of east London there's tension between the drug gangs that operate almost openly and those who strive to live honest lives against the odds in the crime riddled area that tension is explored through the interlocking stories of 20-something drug dealer Duchesne who is determined to become the area's top boy and good-natured but vulnerable teenager Rennell who was forced to grow up quickly following his mother's breakdown and enforced absence it's really good like if you liked the wire if you liked homicide life on the streets okay you will probably like this if you like those kinds of what shows snowfall it sounds like snowfall it was on fx it was is. it was about i think it was from the 70s where there's like an fbi agent but it's all about this guy who's basically becoming a drug pen in Ooh. his neighborhood with crack back in the 70s like when crack first yeah. uh shows up on the street so that's what it sounds like. and that was a great show i i will definitely check that one out um yeah, you would probably like it. And it's 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 just interesting because there's kids who are trying to stay on the straight and narrow, the right path, but they're right. so proximate to all this activity that it's very, very difficult to actually mm-hmm. not fall into it 
especially when it's your best option. But there's actually, actually, it's a great tie into today's episodes because there's some young, young kids, like the little brothers and the little cousins of some of these characters uh-huh. who are still very innocent to all of this. They don't know what their older cousins and brothers do. And, you know, they're going to school, but they're also like little entrepreneurs who are looking to make money. One is trying to make money um, to help his mom pay her, like, visa fees so she doesn't get deported Uh and he literally gets up at three in the morning cooks hamburgers in his apartment in his kitchen wraps them in foil and sells them on like his school grounds like at lunchtime and being like burgers burgers like a dollar dollar like makes all this money like so cute to see so it's really this cool um like how the entrepreneurial spirit kind of can change when you start breaking rules to do it and sure where it comes from and actually now that I think about it, very on theme for the episode. Yeah. So well acted. There's moments of levity, like there's some humor in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in London. I love anything set in England. You do. I'm really enjoying it. Hmm. But it's it's a very specific type of show. Again, yeah. like it's not going to be for everyone, but I, I do like it. So that's what I'm watching. But you've been holding out on me on a show and I've been wanting something lighter. It's lighter. Okay. Okay. Hit me. This, actually, Haley recommended this. She researches for Mom's Mysteries. You know Haley. Love Haley. She's the best. She suggested this a while ago, and I guess I just wasn't in the mood for it or something, so I didn't watch it. So it's back from 2014, but three clues. Comedy Central, because that's where it started. Mm -hmm. Stars, like five stars, and Mm -hmm. um, Mockumentary. I don't expect you to get it, just like you didn't expect me to get your youth one. Not Mystery Science Theater. I think you've guessed that for me two times, and I just need you to know I'm never going to watch that. (laughs) You can stop. Stop making it a thing. It's not a thing, Rebecca. I have no idea. (laughs) It's called Review. Um, It's this show. It actually, of course, was adapted from something somewhere else. from Australia, but it's a an American mockumentary from 2014 about professional critic Forrest McNeil, who provides <laughs> reviews of real life experiences. Oh my gosh! Okay, so it's him in the studio with his host, and she's like, you know, saying we have a new question in today, or we have a new whatever. And somebody comes on the screen, or she reads it, and it's like, uh, what would it be like to eat 15 pancakes? Which is a real basic one. And he's like, what? I'll do that. So he does that, you know, they, they tape the whole thing. One was like, what's it like to get divorced? And he goes through the whole, he's married. He goes through the whole process, tells his wife he's leaving her. But as it goes on, so he's reviewing these real life experiences, not products. And, and as it goes on, so I'm only in the first season, there's three, but the third season has like three episodes. As it goes on, his life is just progressively getting worse and worse and worse. Like like uh the divorce one of course he like tells his wife he wants a divorce by the end of it she's like yeah i'm fine with it (laughs) at this point we should have bailed (laughs) yeah and so he's like talking to his producer and he's like i can't i don't want to really do this and he's like remember you told me no matter what do not let you quit so it's just watching his life unravel it's so funny like divorce i think he gives half a star i mean there's do not recommend would not do again (laughs) so funny yeah 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 it 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 really is super funny and it's the mockumentary thing so i'm always big into those so i love fun it's light yeah it's silly and um i love andy daly he's in it um that's a cool premise yeah 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 yeah. i like it's good i wish it did better because i feel like it deserved more seasons yeah i know um yes you can find it on amazon prime you can watch it for free there okay you know what it what I just realized that I was actually watching more recently that I guess I could have done, but it's uh-huh. something we've already talked about is Love is Blind, the new season. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Everyone what was taking up my time. Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. That's not a new recommendation, but I do think it's a good season. Thank you. And next time, maybe you could watch Mystery Science Theater, so I could guess that um, since you're so obsessed with it. <laughs> it's just a show of my childhood. I haven't watched it in years. It's just Comedy Central. That's the first thing I think of. So that's that explains there the guessing. Go. But I need okay, to, I that need makes to let sense. it go. I've had a few of those. <laughs> let it go. I don't it's watch anything now. else on there. Well, Rebecca, check it out or don't. It's up to you. Uh, we'll have something else in two weeks but i would like to know what the clues are for the next episode because i have no idea but i know you're excited i'm really excited i think you're gonna get it i think people are going to get this and i'm okay with it because i want to um i want to ride the high of some excitement for a couple weeks (laughs) need a little bit that's how i feel when i 
walked away from 600 pound uh, life the other day. I was like, you know what? I need to really live. I'm going to live now. <laughs> while I can. And, um, <laughs> while, I, while, while I'm I can. mobile. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You need to step away from those shows for a minute. Okay. Step into these clues. Orange, lemon, salmon. Yes. It's the thing everyone wanted to talk to us about at CrimeCon, right? It is. And it was the thing I thought, yeah, it'll go on the list for a later date. There's not enough. There's more than I thought. Oh, yes. I'm so excited for this. Me too. Me too. I I love that salmon's Get excited. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking Mm -hmm. about three foods, three colors. Could Mm -hmm. go a lot of ways. Um, Oh, yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. Good job, Rebecca. Very fun. Very excited. And I am, am very excited by today's episode. I really enjoyed your story. And thank you, everybody, for being here and listening. Absolutely. We'll be back in two weeks with Rebecca's story, which will mm-hmm. still be a story in the world. Like it's yeah. just not going away. There's more stuff coming out all the time. So I can't wait to hear it from you in the nicest way possible. I can't wait for you to tell us a story. Thanks. I'm super excited. And um, you can always catch Melissa every Tuesday on her other podcast, Moms and Mysteries. And you can follow us on Instagram at Criminality Show and on Facebook by the same name. We found out a lot of people are on Facebook. Um, I know. We need to really not disparage speak. it so much. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, we'll I was like, wait, what? People are following us on Facebook, Melissa. We like had this realization. And, <laughs> like we're um, never on Facebook. <laughs> so hello to our Facebook Hi. friends. Um, but yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Bye. 